I'm loving your hair and welcome to season two. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a new it's new hair and makeup crew for season two. This is uh <laughs> So everybody, before we get into where you are, um, everybody sure. was like commenting, what, you know, I don't know, barely even 10 episodes and you're already end of season one. Right. Well, we're back next week and this is season two. So we're not sure how to do seasons, but um, I think, you know, the reason we did it is because on one, one of the shows, we kind of said top 10 and anybody who is not in top 10 in that season. So we just don't want to make our next guest today and others feel bad yeah he's the um, number one guest for season one number season one two. <laughs> for season two so this does not look like your normal uh beautiful bookshelf room where yeah no where are we've, you uh, we're just we, we're just off a five and a half hour drive through irish countryside to for anyone that knows ireland we're in beautiful dingle um decamping to an airbnb here for for four or five days, a little Irish staycation. Dingle. Dingle. Yeah, it's um it's famous. It's the it's the western, southern westernmost piece of uh, of Ireland. It has a uh, a 30-year-old uh, dolphin that you can swim with. Wow. And it gets kind of tropical. It's kind of a lovely picturesque little village. I, last time I was here was 25 years ago. So so the uh, did, it, did it change a lot? I guess the dolphin got older. The dolphin's older. Yeah, we're we're not sure it's the same dolphin. They say it is, but like the dolphin, per folklore, would be like about a hundred years old at this stage. <laughs> a lot of guys I know in their fifties remember swimming with it when they were their kid, a kid. You know. <laughs> so, anyways, I'm a beautiful thing. We don't have the Emmanuel's bookcase, um, and uh, you know the hair's a bit uh, frizzy from the temperature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still I'm still jealous and you know the the bookcase you can always put the back background in, in zoom but um right, right. so I don't know are we gonna do the the review of our numbers in season two or just we're gonna I think let our viewers assume that we're so damn popular that right. we're just the numbers are skyrocketing I think it's pretty clear the fact that we've gotten signed up for a second season on YouTube and Spotify and um, that they're signing us up again and we're going right at it. And, and because like the whole world's just accelerating right now, I think the fact that seasons are happening a lot quicker, I think it all makes sense. I don't think we need to review the numbers. And, you know, part of me, you know, last episode I did this stupid microphone thing that, you know, I wasn't right. sure we should have tested it, but I guess we're unproduced. So it is what it is. But then Dan Kendall, huge shout out to you, brother. Thanks for coming and saving. You did the magic with your team. So whoever is watching us now, go back and watch the season finale. You can't miss it. Our better halves just kicked ass, kicked our ass. Yeah, one of the funnest episodes for me anyway, or one of the funnest episodes, you know. I mean, they've all been a blast, but that was a lot of fun. It was great to get the um, I, I wanted. I want to just quickly, before you introduce our next guest, uh, who is sure. patiently waiting, um, I want to just... I, I don't know why. I want to do a quick shout out to Chris Hogg. Uh, so I don't know if you know him or not. You know, the early days of Quantified Self, uh, Propeller Health. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I think yeah, I saw a beautiful kind of Twitter storm in a positive way. You know, he's he's leaving ResMed and Propeller, but I'm just looking oh, forward yeah. to seeing what's uh, what's next for him. So shout out to you. Chris. Yeah, yeah, he's a bit. Of, I mean, that's like he's he's kind of he's a legend now in, in digital health folklore, building up Propeller. Uh, 
taking it to ResMed, setting some valuations. So I, I didn't know he left, but that shout out to Chris. I, I don't know him, don't know him other than his reputation. Cool. Well, but sounds like, uh, and I'll let you introduce the next speaker because also a bit of a visionary way before these things started. You know, but I'll I'll hand it yeah. to you. Yeah. No, I was thinking about the next guest. We we obviously we had a we had a big list of people, a lot of a lot of uh, exciting people we could bring on to a shot of digital health. Uh, John Brownlee for me. Uh, so John Brownlee started up. Uh, so I think he's one of the early pioneers in using video um, in a unique way in healthcare, and he he's the CEO of Vidscript. Um, I knew John, uh, I got to know John through the Twittersphere, and he ended up uh, having some advisors in the Irish marketplace, came over to Ireland, we threw a kind of video and healthcare uh, conference forum, just a great guy, I, you'll, you'll hear from him, but really unique perspective, based out of Minneapolis, so um, I really, it was a chance to introduce, I guess, John to you, Eugene, and get out yeah. in, in a deeper way, so I think we'll, we'll let him on and let him introduce himself I'll, a little bit. I'll admit guy. him, yeah. And there, uh, not yet, not yet, not yet. Hey, <laughs> there he John. is. Hi, guys. How are you, John? Great. Good to see you both. Yeah. Love Hi. the look. Look, looking at the got the beard growing. That's. Uh, uh, I'm not going to talk to you. I'm only going to talk to the other guy because I like his hair better. <laughs> fair fair enough. Up. And I, I've been looking forward to this because, like, so far in season one, it's been mainly people that Jim have and I hair. both know very well. Or yeah, or have hair. Actually, <laughs> I thought that's where you were going. Had, we actually had Robert Garber, uh, right. basically, kind of had same 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 thing going now, right? Um, right? But I've been looking forward to it, John, because I think we've met literally once ages and ages ago. Um, and so we never got to spend the time with a digital. Is that, at a, digital is that at a Health Excel event? All roads lead to either Health yeah. 2.0 or Health yeah. Excel. So, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Right. I'd say so. I'd say so in Dublin, it maybe. It could have been, it could have been I think it was Health Excel. It could have been Health 2.0. I started the, right, I sort of picked up the Minneapolis chapter of the Health 2.0 and, um, right. Uh, when I, after I sold my last company and and kind of really grew that, we, we ended up with 7,800 people in our in our in our group, and then I handed it off wow. to another another little organization that was doing something similar. But um, so it was probably probably Health Excel actually, probably yeah, yeah. Dublin. All roads lead to Dublin. <laughs> right, right, right. And the beer. So, so yes, yeah, so John. So I I did a poor job introducing you, but I, but it, this is this was my reflection when I was just kind of introducing. Well. It, one, I just wanted to catch up with you. Um, so that was kind of Eugene and my idea was like people that have uh, inspired us in digital healthcare, kind of positive, positive digital health creatures living around the world <laughs> that have inspired us. And I, <laughs> and I, but I, we were thinking of you, obviously we were thinking of you with what's going on in Minneapolis. And then, um, and then I had a chance to run into you recently when I was in Minneapolis um, uh, recently. So that, and, and then you wrote that blog, blog post on uh, Andrea Bocelli's uh, blog post mm. or something like that. So that's kind of why you were top of mind. But mm. so I said, you get John. And plus, I think we said this kind of funny history of, of kind of working together and interacting through Health Excel. But before yeah, I go on, yeah. maybe, maybe give us your own background a little bit um, in your own words. Sure. Um, so, yeah, so I started in healthcare a long time ago, working in the uh, medical device business mostly. Um, 
uh, worked for Medtronic and, uh, um, and in the vaccines business and biologics, a lot of stuff in the cardiac cath lab and so forth, kind of on the commercial side of my life or the industry side of my life, I should say. And then uh, I went to work for Governor Tommy Thompson, who was, had just left the Department of Health, Health and Human Services under the Bush administration. Uh, he was secretary of HHS, went to work for him and got really, and that was more in the healthcare services um, side of things, got really interested in telemedicine at that point. And we built a solution to help um, government agencies um, survive pandemics, believe it or not. And uh, as that company was preparing to uh, be sold, which, which ultimately <laughs> it was sold to uh, United Healthcare, I essentially took part of that business and kind of spun it out and started my first digital health company, Quinian Health, which is a telemedicine services and technology company specific Quinian. for Quinian. Yeah. And that's so what Quinn, year was it? My son. What, what year that was, was it that you were helping? That was uh, 2008. 2008, right. uh, where I spun out that business, and we were we were working with nuclear power facilities and and utilities and railroads and pharmaceutical companies. Um, basically, what we did was we had a very <laughs> you, you think about it, it's sort of like Zipnosis, uh, the first version of Zipnosis, kind of. So it was an online survey that employees would take. Um, and then we would evaluate them for a prescription for Tamiflu, for Cipro, et cetera, for these sort of bioterror or pandemic events. And then we would actually stockpile huge amounts of Cipro and Tamiflu in warehouses in Nebraska right. and other places in preparation for a pandemic. And then in 2009, of course, we got H5N1 or H1N1. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, and that business kind of uh, blew up at that point. And I ended up selling it to a company in California. Um, and, uh, and then kind of kicked around and did some other things for a little while, thought about starting kind of like an Amwell type telemedicine service, but it was so early then for kind of, for that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and then in 2000, uh, oh my gosh, get my dates right, 2011, we really started right. to talk about VidScript. And, okay. uh, you know, the, the origin of that was, you know, I live in Minneapolis, my my family lives on the West Coast. I've got family members who um, have chronic conditions, and it's always that—it's always that. What did the doctor say today, Mom? Kind of conversation. And right. any anybody who's, in particular, if somebody who's not trained in healthcare, will just kind of—I mean—they they really struggle. And we we know that doctors repeat themselves every single day, and patients forget 85, 86% of what their doctor tells them. And there's a ton of digital health companies trying to solve that, that perishable nature of those encounters. Sure. And, and, and I just begin to think about like, hey, we're all carrying, uh, you know, little video production studios in our pockets. Why can't we get these instructions that these docs re repeat over and over again? Why can't we get them recorded so the patients can access them? And that was really the origin for VidScript. We started in 2012 and we're still doing it. And, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, it's a simple notion that we can, we've built an online virtual recording studio for doctors. So there are evidence-based templates of questions. So for instance, if you're an orthopedic surgeon and you're going through our total knee replacement program, there's 135 questions you have to, have to answer. And you sit in front of your computer and our software interviews you and you answer the question with the same word pictures and, and phrases that you typically use face-to-face -face with patients. Then we take all those little videos and stitch them into groups called 
vid scripts or video prescriptions, and then we deliver those to a patient at just the right moment in a care episode. So two weeks before surgery, 10 days post-surgery, et cetera, they get the answers from their own doctor in video form and they get it right to their device. So can, um, yeah. can, and, can we use your software for shadow digital health therapy to prescribe <laughs> the right shot right. at the right time for the right Perfect. Person? Right. Right. I love it. I, you know, it's actually, it's actually, Eugene, it's actually a good, we, we've gotten a lot of questions. So we have one, we have a family office, financial company. It's a, f a family office that deals with high net worth individuals and so forth. They use VidScript as a way to talk about the funds that they're investing in and their investment strategies. And we've had lawyers and we've had all kinds of different people because really it's just, it's just, if you have an expert and that yeah. expert needs to answer a whole bunch of questions that you don't want to forget the answers to, and it's important right. that you get it from that particular person, VidScript works for that. But we're, we've yeah. really tried to stay focused in healthcare. There's a big need there and so on. So, so John, um, you quote unquote predicted and worked on things, uh, you know, the shit storm that we're going through now, I'm, I'm purposely not using the word. Uh, you were kind of the forefront of telemedicine um, and usage of video in the doctor's office. Um, so really, I, you know, very progressive in that sense. We're now in 2020. What do you, what are you doing next? So we can invest in? <laughs> right, 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 right. What do you got for us? What, 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 what are some of those ideas you're working on now? I didn't, I didn't know about this Tommy Tommy. AI, machine learning. Like I can say all the right words, right? Buzzwords, um, buzzwords. Yeah, keep going, keep going. Next, next is a lot more golf. Um, a, a lot more, uh, you know, we were actually, you know, I've, I've built very intentionally built our business to be virtual from the beginning. So, that, so we, we've really sort of been able to transition for, we have an office in Minneapolis, but I can't even remember where it is now, you know, I haven't been there in so long. Um, and, and also built the business more around, you know, the pejorative in the, in the, in the, in the investment community, the pejorative term is lifestyle business. Oh, that's a, you know, sort of put yeah. them off the side. Those are like, it's a lifestyle business. I guess we're a yeah. lifestyle business from that standpoint, because we've built the business around, you know, being able to live our lives and so forth. So next, so, so, you know, next is uh, spending a lot more time in the, in the RV and playing work. <laughs> I don't know that there is a next for me. I'm the old man on the block now. Wait, wait, wait now you never took, you never took uh, venture capital, right? No, no. Yeah. I, in neither in, in either company haven't raised haven't raised any uh, venture funds. I have in this company. Sorry, my little earbuds keep popping out. In this company, yeah. I do have uh, uh, some some basically some friends who at the very beginning put some money in friends and family money uh, after I'd sold my last company and so forth. So there's a little bit of outside money, very very little little amount. But uh, but but uh, but no, we've never raised any any venture funding and, at all. And so they I keep the I keep joking or I keep joking around that raising revenues from clients is much harder than raising VC money. That's kind of you. You know, I guess I'm kind of the old guy on the block here in Minneapolis, and we have a group here in Minneapolis called Founders Club, which is uh, all digital health companies. There's about Gosh, there's probably 35, maybe 30 to 40 companies. And I'm kind of the guy, and most of them are out raising money all the time, spending the, uh, most of those CEOs are spending a lot of their time talking to <laughs> investors and going to JP Morgan and doing all that kind of stuff, all good stuff. Right. I've taken the approach that, you know, I've charged for the service from day one. And if somebody's not willing to pay for it, there's probably something not quite we've figured out yet. 
and have right. managed to do all of our fundraising from our customers. Um, and that's just, there's just different approaches and one, one's not better than the other. But for me, it's, I just, yeah. I, 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 I don't want to report to a board full of VCs and it's just not my, you know, thing. I feel like, I feel like looking at you, right, you just, you know, it's like I met you, I probably met you, you were well into VidScript, right? You know, for the first time. And pretty and early, everything. actually, when we first met, in fact, that was before we called it VidScript. When we first met in, in Dublin uh, at that little thing you had me come speak at um, uh, with my wet jeans. I told you that story, right? <laughs> right. That I didn't um, up to. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And you weren't even there. You weren't even there. But uh, um, we were still clear MD at that point. Um, right. So that was right. the first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, but like I was thinking like like with everything that you probably have learned and gone through, even though you had this very pragmatic approach saying, hey, listen, we can provide value to doctors right away. We can kind of parse their, you know, like a lot of the thesis that you had, you had right from the beginning, right? Like, you know, you've evolved it, but it was it hasn't, it, 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 hasn't it hasn't changed a lot. What we originally thought it was, was basically YouTube for healthcare where people could go in and search for a term and we would localize them to a local doctor. Um, they could watch their videos and then they could go, you know, see that doctor or whatever. And right. what, what docs really told us was that's really wasn't what they wanted. What they wanted was a direct pipeline to their own patients. So right. uh, they want to be able to talk to their patients on video, tell them all the stuff, but then not have them press that related videos button where some other knucklehead is saying, hey, don't trust your orthopedic surgeon. Just take right. my my lotion or whatever, that kind of stuff. So, so right. we, we, that, that's where we turn from ClearMD, which is more of a search engine, to VidScript, which is more directly prescribing my expertise to my patients and keeping that in a safe, controlled environment, and then delivering right. that content at just the right time in a care episode by a text but messaging. Don't well. you think, like, like, like Eugene's now on his, uh, you know, because how, how, your coach is how, how old right now, Eugene? Uh, well, officially, we actually incorporated in January, so okay. yeah, unofficially, yeah. Marina's been working on the MVP and product for a little over a year, right? Right, so, right. So, so, and I'm probably like, I'm in between you two in terms of with Health Beacon in terms of, of but I, I would think that if you were like, let's say you were going to try to VC fund it back in 2000, you know, what, what do you say, 2008 or something or where, like 12, there was yeah. no digital, no digital health funds. You know, so you had to go after either, it was either going to be tech funds, looking to go into healthcare, no idea about timelines, right, right, or, or you're going to go after, you know, pharmaceutical, uh, you know, med tech funds that were obsessed over IP, right, like, like that, that felt like the challenge, it didn't even exist then, did they? I mean, uh, yeah, I think that's true. I also, I also tell people a lot, especially young entrepreneurs who are trying to, you know, there's sort of this default stance that I, first thing I do is I go out and you know, call 10, 10 venture capitalists and, and there's a place for right. that. But I, I, I always tell them, listen, if we had raised money in 2012, 2013, or even 2014, we'd be out of business right now. And right. the reason is we would have plowed a bunch of money into the wrong solution. Um, because right. in our case, there's kind of three big chunks of our business. One is, is the principle makes sense. We talk to, if we, if we talk to a hundred surgeons, 98 of them are going to say, yes, I have that problem. Where have we been all my life? I want that answer. So that's kind of the easy part. So we validated that, but then can you operationalize it at scale? Obviously that's right. That's what we've spent the majority of our time over the last eight years trying to figure out. And then three, of course, what's your business model? And our, yeah. and, and, and number two and number one hasn't changed really. Number two and three is have evolved a lot. 
right, and, right. And, it, and it took us four or five years to figure out two and three, and we're still figuring out number two. And so we would have invested a ton of money in the wrong solution and probably run out of runway as opposed yeah. to working with some of our customers and trying to figure this out over time with, with, with enough sort of without a board saying if, if, if we're going to give up if you, if we can't hit a milestone at this point. So, you know, right. and listen, we're, we're in a, you know, I, I was qualified when I talk about this, I qualify this, you know, our business is not heavily capital intensive. And so right. it's not like we're designed, it's not like health beacon where you're designing a box and technology. Right. And so and you, you got to invest in that and you got to get approvals. You know, our software play, software and services play is much less capital intensive. So we have that luxury to be able to, extend right. our timeline a little bit because we don't have, uh, you know, we're, we're incredibly capital efficient, you know, so. So typically maybe uh, you mentioned the founders club in Minneapolis. So I, you know, I personally don't think of Minneapolis as like a digital health hub, but of course, you know, we're gonna change that. who has, well, so, you know, I guess a couple of things. Well, One is uh, who are all the players? Like t tell, tell me, uh, maybe, maybe sure. Jim knows, but like, and our viewers, sure. of course, let's not forget about who is going to sponsor yeah. us. So, so I'll do a, uh, um, uh, I'll do a little, a short little Minneapolis commercial here. Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota. I shouldn't say Minneapolis. Twin Cities, Minnesota, because a lot of times Minneapolis people leave St. Paul out. And the St. Paul people do the same thing. So, <laughs> where where the Twin Cities, um, uh, um, what what where it's kind of started here is with Medical Alley. So the Medical Alley Association is really kind of the the key association of medical device companies. And of course, in Minneapolis is the home of Medtronic and the University of Minnesota and, and C. Walter Lillehay and all those guys who who invented the pacemaker and 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 all of these incredible technologies. And out of that developed the the um, medical device industry that is. Minneapolis is arguably in the States, arguably the number one or two, you know, um, uh, hub for that. Um, we have Mayo Clinic, of course, we have United Healthcare, um, and, and, and a lot of the sort of health system uh, uh, strategies and the concepts have come out of, out of this part of the country. So there's a huge healthcare infrastructure here. And it, it really made sense that digital health was going to kind of be one of the next areas. Um, so Medical Alley Association, which I'm really involved with and big, a big proponent of, has really done a great job of kind of cultivating the digital side of these innovations, both in terms of what the, uh, you know, what the device companies are doing on, a di on the digital side and also kind of the startup ecosystem. And there's, mm -hmm. been, um, there's been a couple of uh, Bright Health is one of the, um, one of the, the big players here uh, that's raised a gazillion dollars. And there's been a couple good exits. Uh, Zipnosis is here. If you're familiar with Zipnosis, they've-, you know, they've He's a buddy of yours. The CEO is a guy, is a good friend of yours, right? The, John Pierce is a, is a yeah. good friend. I consider him a friend. I'm not sure what he thinks of me, but- uh, <laughs> um, uh, But he's, we'll go Eugene, he's got, he's got our head. So like anybody that's <laughs> got our head, I'm happy with. Just bro so, brother from another mother, right? That's right, that's right. <laughs> So it's really an evolving ecosystem um, in uh, there's some good telehealth companies. I would kind of put our, put Vidscript into kind of that category. Um, there's um, there's a number of good learn to live is a really blowing up um, mental health, uh, behavioral health uh, startup that's raised a bunch of money. And um, so there's there's a good 35 or so that are in our, our our founders club organization and there's i think there's a bunch more that are kind of sitting on the outside of that as well so it should yeah, yeah, i mean yeah. it's 
you know, it's not, it's not, it's never San Francisco or Boston and all that, but it's, we're rivaling yeah. Chicago, certainly in terms of the, the level of activity and fundraising. We say like all, all roads lead for Health Excel, you know, like Health Excel through our first, and I think one of our first accelerator investment events at Minneapolis, we were like, it was in like January or February. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is how I know that I can, that I, I am a, a powerful figure in, in the digital <laughs> health space that I got all these guys to come to Minneapolis in February <laughs> right. and host a conference at, at Warrell Design. We were so, all, I mean, we were all people, arriving going like, what the hell, what the hell, you know, and we loved it. They had we, no we had, idea. Like so many of us fell in love with Minneapolis after that. I think I kept my profile photo Spoon. What's the spoon with the yeah you know, the, the cherry the spoon park. bridge? The cherry spoon bridge. There's a yeah. You got to go yeah. to Minneapolis, EG. I yeah. I I I have to. I you know I, I'm back in US at least temporarily, but unfortunately you know the the travel thing. Yeah. Well, I, 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 here's what I'll say about Minneapolis. If if you want to start a company and you want a place where there are big payers, and there are big health systems and there are big medical device, and to some extent pharma, you can't do much better than Minneapolis. I mean, it's got all of those all in, a, in, a, in an area that, that's, that's, that's serviceable, you know? So um, you can plug in with a lot of players in a lot of different aspects of healthcare and do it in a, in a cultural environment that's accepting and open and so forth. So, you know, if I go to New York, they just tell me, they tell me to bugger off, you know? But I mean, in yeah. Minneapolis, people are, people are at least on the surface pretty nice. And uh, um, so you can get a lot of things done here. Speaking of what's the, I mean, uh, Jim usually asks the question, how, how is the, uh, the, sh the, you know, the situation with the uh, virus is not one of the words we can't say. So um, no, you can't say virus, you can't do it. No. We're not allowed to say virus. Um, no. But uh, I guess a combination, I mean, uh, obviously Minneapolis uh, got this whole country and the world moving, uh, just kind of what, what's the situation on the ground on, on a little bit of the both fronts? I mean, this is yeah. you know, straight from the eye of the storm in, in a sense, right? Yeah, Minneapolis got really hit double whammy style, right? So, I mean, the, the COVID-19, um, uh, I, I think that I think culturally in, in Minnesota, we are, um, uh, and I'm not a native Minnesotan, I'm, an or I'm from Oregon and Washington originally, but, you know, this is the kind of place where, generally speaking, if the governor says, listen, everybody, we're going to shut down, everybody kind of says, okay, let's, let's, let's shut down and let's, you know, let's cooperate. Not everybody, obviously, but so, so we, when we did that, we went into lockdown and, and the state was really, really locked down. I mean, we... <clears throat> We, we didn't leave the house and, you know, for a couple months. Um, and obviously weather, that the weather, the weather was, as the weather's getting better, we're spending more time inside. Like it's incredibly counterintuitive. Um, uh, and then of course, with the murder of George Floyd and then the, that doubled down on, um, and, and the community the community where that took place in South Minneapolis, uh, Jim, uh, right, right near. Well, in fact, where we had lunch that day, not that long ago, is right in the heart exactly. of, right there. Yeah. That's where it's all going on. Um, that you know, like a nice that area. It, it is. It's a, it's a lovely area in South Minneapolis, and and it's. Yeah. But that that is um, uh, that was an area that could least afford to have get hit again with another major, you know, situation yeah. like this. So it has been, right. it's been a really difficult um, time from that standpoint. I think for the city, 
I think the city is concerned about its kind of its reputation in the world and kind of some of those kinds of things as well, which certainly are probably secondary concerns to the actual issues that are faced by not guys like me, but there are people in our community who, you know, get treated differently than, than, than the three of us do. And, right. uh, um, and that's got to, that's got to get addressed how it'll end up playing out. I don't know, but I've got a lot of confidence. We've got, we've got really good leadership in our city in the city of Minneapolis, uh, and St. Paul. And, uh, um, and, yeah. and I, I'm a big believer in our governor. So I think, I think the, I think the community will come together and sort it out. I think Minnesota is uniquely positioned to be able to do that just kind of culturally. Um, yeah. but, uh, but it's, it's a result of, you know, a, a lot of years of, of bad things kind of all coming to a head at the worst possible time because we're in the middle of a public health crisis as well. So it's right, right, you know, right, you know, right. pray for Minneapolis kind of thing. Definitely. I'm a big fan. So def definitely. And, you know, I, we, like we hit Minneapolis, I hit it with, um, I hit it with uh, Sebastiano. My, when we had lunch with you that time and we were going there for personal reasons, but we came in, we hit a, we hit a basketball game with the Timberwolves, right? Get that right? We hit the Timberwolves. We came off the plane grabbed an Uber, hit the Timberwolves, dropped on a scooter, scooted across the Mississippi back to our hotel at like whatever, 10 o'clock at night. It was like insane. You know, we just we, meet and then we went to see the Cherry Park, whatever that arts park, yeah. you know, and, uh, yeah. the next day. Jim, so we, we love it. I just had a deja vu of you telling the scooter story. <laughs> I, I'm like, I guess, I guess I, like, I, you know how, I mean, that was a weird moment. Right, right. I have a lot of scooter stories. <laughs> I, guess, I guess maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I get on them a little bit easier. I'm not, I'm not like a big Oregon, Minnesota guy. <laughs> my my wife and I went to, uh, in 2018, we went to Europe. Back when Americans could go to Europe, you know, maybe that'll happen again. I don't know. But right, um, we went right. to France and we went to Italy. And in Paris, we rode those scooters everywhere around Paris. But what I'll tell you is that sitting in a sidewalk cafe and drinking a couple bottles of rosé and then hopping on a scooter in a country where you don't know the traffic patterns not i mean the fact that we got out of there alive is is like right right amazing right. We'll, we'll, we'll edit this for the future, <laughs> for future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah don't do what i yeah don't do what i just said right okay so john has a, john's a oh we're up for time no, I mean, listen, it's not like we're, we're unproduced. I was just going to do a little bit of a time check, but, uh, you know. Yeah. Hey, Manuela. So I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to introduce, you've never met my wife, John, right? She's here and we're in Dingle. We're in Dingle. I saw her. I, I saw her on one of, yeah. hello there. Hello. I, saw, I, I know you because I saw you on one of the previous episodes. Episode, so yeah, I, I feel like I know you. So John, John, took us, nice to meet you. John took me and Sebastiano out to lunch when we were in uh, Minneapolis. Okay. But I was saying, I brought over because um, she's a huge, uh, but so tell us about the, the, why you wrote the blog post about Charlotte. She's obviously Italian. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Remember the blog well, post you wrote right at the beginning? And famous the now. People are actually watching her. It struck me that it struck me that day that um, that uh, how powerful that was very emotional that 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 Easter Sunday for us we are we have these sono speakers in our house and I mean that that thing was blaring throughout our house and it was exactly what we needed at that time and it just struck me that here is a person using this incredibly powerful voice for only one reason, and that was to bring people together, right? right? And yet so many of the powerful voices that we have are doing the exact opposite. 
and and dividing and and how much better it is when we when we when we use the, that power to bring people together um and it's a dude i, I mean, just got chills i mean like seriously and what what like a great way towards the end of our episode yeah Absolutely. i just uh, i just and it's funny that they I, I sent that letter to our local i shouldn't tell the story well i'll do it anyway um <laughs> why not um, I sent that to our local paper and the editor who, who doesn't typically respond to letters to the editor was res, res, responded in, in a way that, that was, was they made, I'll put it this way, made the exact point of people in powerful positions using their, their power to divide. And it's exactly what she did. Wow. And I was just, I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, You're like kidding. it's, it's no, it's, yeah. it's, uh, yeah, because, it was right down the middle. It's funny, that, that was, when you asked me, Eugene, on the first episode of Shot of Digital Health, you asked me what was up. And I said, actually, I want to talk about John Brownlee's uh, uh, blog. Remember that? Oh, I, I, like remember. I remember. Like the first episodes. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. No, ab absolutely. So it, it's a great way to actually start then season two. So, uh, you know, John, just it was an awesome way to kick this off. I am being now really a timekeeper, so I'm gonna say my. Uh, is this is it? This is the. I was gonna ask you guys this. This is the first season, of, uh, the first episode of season your two, guest one. right? Your, your guest, guest one. Guest number. We one. wanted to put it mini. We wanted to put yeah, your business in Minneapolis and lights. What we were thinking about, you know, that was all our thoughts, you know. <laughs> so with, well, I appreciate with that, it, guys. the viewers and listeners, uh, we are trying to reach a thousand followers and subscribers on youtube so hit that subscribe button and we need about 950 <laughs> we, no we're, we're actually at like i don't know approaching 100 but like 80 or 90 something i to be honest i haven't checked the stats so you know we're getting there we're getting okay. there. yeah cool, thank man. you thanks thank John. you guys good good talking thank to you, you.